Imagine a destination with 825 miles of idyllic beaches, more than 1,300 walking trails, and over 700 freshwater springs. This is Florida, where you can meet the manatees at Three Sisters Springs, zipline over a canyon in Ocala, and paddleboard through the waterways in the nation's oldest city, St. Augustine. Our extensive accessibility options mean everyone can enjoy our attractions and activities. Florida is truly limitless. Look beyond the theme parks and get out into the Sunshine State's great outdoors. To plan your next adventure, go to visitflorida.com. Ed Childs is the owner of Childs Hospitality, operating the Sunbar Beach House and Mar Vista restaurants on Anna Maria Island and Longboat Key in Western Florida. Ed was the managing partner for the Pine Avenue Restoration Project in the city of Anna Maria and engages in a number of local sustainability initiatives, including all clams on deck. Welcome to the Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. My restaurants are uh, located on the west coast of Florida, uh, just below Tampa Bay. So very easy to find on any map. If you look at Florida and you see Tampa Bay uh, on the west coast there, uh, we're the little barrier island that pokes into the south side of Tampa Bay. So we're the farther northern piece of land on that bay. We live on the edge of the largest gulf in the world. And we are in the middle of the only place in the country that has three national estuaries on its border. Those estuaries are incredibly important for the biodiversity, the quality of life, the things that we all love and enjoy. 40% of the uh, wild seafood, commercial seafood that we eat in the United States spends uh, some of its time in uh, those estuaries, uh, and we're challenged by water quality issues. We sure. have issues from time to time, like many coastal areas all over the world with harmful algal blooms, uh, and we've seen with uh, uh, more development and uh, the, the, the growth that we've had uh, that we have some increasing pressure there. So we need to be doing everything that we can to promote coastal resiliency. Um, this is a, it, it's not just about uh, the environment. It's also about jobs. It's about fresh Florida seafood. It's about high quality seafood. And, you know, what I've learned over 45 years being in this business wow. uh, is the importance of that. And, you know, that this can be a real solution. One of the many things that we need to be doing to protect our estuaries, to protect our marine environment, to protect our overall environment, protect our quality of life, to provide great high quality seafood. Bivalves, specifically clams in our area, because the salinity levels here are better for clams. We have some oyster, the ability to, to, to do oysters here. Uh, but we predominantly focus on clams. They filter water. Mm -hmm. They eat microalgae. 
they clean water, they promote cleaner water, and they their feces and their pseudo feces, their waste products, promote the organic environment in the benthic environment under the sand, organic matter. So cleaning water means you've got more photosynthesis that comes through, and that means that seagrass gets more light and, and, and does better. And fertilizing that means seagrass. So they're very symbiotic. They, they do great together. Uh, clams feed fish. Everything likes to eat small clams. The larva is going all the way through the water columns and everything wants to eat that. Uh, seagrass is important to forage fish and to the overall habitat. And it's critically important because it's the main food source for our manatees. Wow. So that's very important. That's why we are promoting this. That's why we have uh, started the All Clams on Deck project. And that project, we raised five and a half million dollars in the last year. Amazing to focus on bivalve and seagrass restoration, not just for farming clams, but for clams for restoration. So not just for clams that we love to serve in all three of our restaurants. And if any of your listeners ever get here, I, I hope they come and, and uh, enjoy Excellent. some clams with us. They're a tremendous fresh from Florida seafood. Uh, and they're, they're great to have on the table, but they're also great to be out there because they live for 35 years. Wow, amazing. And every day, every hour of every day, they're out there promoting that coastal environment. Fantastic. Just out of interest, Ed, um, you, you mentioned the, the restaurants. Is that is that where you first kind of noticed this, should we call it an opportunity? You noticed that there was a problem that needed fixing. How did you get involved? How did you begin the All Clams on Deck project? Yeah, well, we, we, I, I started getting more concerned about water quality issues after a red tide outbreak uh, that lasted 11 months and 21 days in wow. our area right. in 1995 and 1996. And we started an organization called Solutions to Avoid Red Tide. Uh, and that organization is a not-for-profit that goes on to this day, mm-hmm. um, almost 30 years later, and works on mitigation strategies and education uh, letting people know that are coming to the area if there is a red tide around, you know, what they need to to be concerned about or not be concerned about, where they're located. Um, and then we had a, uh, a gypsum stack, which is a byproduct and a residue from phosphate mining uh, that two years ago, a little over two years ago, uh, about four days before Easter, uh, put a whole lot of heavily nutrient loaded when it had a breach into our Tampa Bay estuary. Uh, and at that point, I realized that we needed to do something more, kind of under the guise of never waste a crisis. Uh, that's when we started the all clams on deck effort to try to accelerate, to try to use what we know. I, I've gotten uh, a lot more involved in the uh, bivalve industry uh, I work with a lot of clam farmers, um, and the uh, largest uh, shellfish hatchery in the southeast of the United States happens to be located in our area. And I partnered with the owner, a fellow by the name of Kurt Himmel, mm-hmm. about eight years ago, and we started the Gulf Shellfish Institute. Any of your listeners can go online and, and look at Gulf Shellfish Institute and learn what it's about. But that was to promote best practices bivalve aquaculture because it's great in every way. You know, 
90 plus percent of the seafood that we eat in the United States of America is imported. And 50% of that seafood is aquaculture. Mm-hmm. And yet we're only producing 1% of the, the, the supply that we're eating in the United States. We're only producing 1% of that in the U.S. So we have got to do better. And when you look at the main four or five species that are produced in this country for aquaculture, catfish, shrimp, salmon, tilapia, oysters, and clams, Mm -hmm. all of those have some level of uh, issues with uh, water quality, uh, uh, things that are in the water, antibiotics, they may give them feed sources that that can have some environmental uh, effects. The fact that you may be going and getting menhaden out of the marine environment to feed salmon, and that's taken away from the forage fish feed. Bivalves don't have any of that. Bivalves eat microalgae. So they are the absolute best species to be producing. So that's what we wanted to ramp up. We've got a million acres of shellfish approved waters in this state, and only about 1% of those are leased. So there's a great opportunity. It's a great job for people that want to work outdoors and want to be in uh, being a farmer because they're not a fisherman. This is an 18 month crop. Uh, and so we started that Gulf Shellfish Institute to promote that. And then when the Piney Point spill happened, we started the all clams on deck effort to raise awareness, to go after resources, to be able to accelerate all of that. Fantastic. Uh, folks, you can, of course, learn more about the All Clams on Deck project if you go to allclamsondeck.org. And we'll be back with you in a minute or two. Florida, where the iconic Cuban sandwich and legendary key lime pie meet seafood festivals, craft breweries, and sustainable farm-to-fork restaurants. With a wide variety of local specialties inspired by an endless list of global influences, the Sunshine State's innovative culinary scene is now featured in the Michelin Guide. Enjoy freshly caught snapper at a mom and pop seafood shack, sip wine at a local vineyard, or book a food tour and let your taste buds explore everything Florida has to offer. There's something for every palate. To whet your appetite and start planning your trip, go to visitflorida.com. Ed, that's not the only thing you've been involved with. You've also led an initiative to restore Pine Avenue, which is the main street on Anna Maria Island, which isn't far from from Tampa. Uh, That area is now known as the greenest little main street in America. So it's obviously been a a roaring success. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what needed doing and what you managed to achieve. We're on a a little seven-mile island, little barrier island here, and we have three cities on this island, which is just something that was always there and is never right. going to change. Uh, and the northernmost city is uh, where the Sandbar restaurant is Anna Maria. And the majority, the great majority of the city, 95% is residential. Mm-hmm. And there's a very small little residential office retail zoning. It's basically commercial and it can be residential up here on the north end. And the Sandbar restaurant sits on the very west end of that. It's called Pine Avenue. Uh, it's a half a mile. It bifurcates the island from the bayside where the Anna Maria City Pier is. That was the landing spot 
That's the modern history of the island. When they platted the town back in 1911 and they built the city pier, there was no bridges to the island back then. Uh, visitors, tourists, uh, they called them sports back then, would come <laughs> in by steamer. <laughs> they would land at the Anna Maria City Pier and they would promenade down across that half a mile from the bayside to the beach side where the bathhouse sat. That was a pavilion where the bathers would come and uh, nice. the history of over a hundred years of generation after a generation, you know, enjoying this area, bringing their family here, having hospitality here. Uh, and Pine Avenue really was always supposed to be our main street and really never got developed. In 2007, we saw a bunch of houses go up there and we were afraid we were going to lose the opportunity to have what we believe was the most important thread in the in the fabric of a community. And that's a small business district. Interesting. Uh, without that, you're more of a neighborhood or you're a subdivision. Sure. So we went and tied up 15 lots and uh, then went to the city and talked about what we wanted to do. We wanted to do a low rise uh two-story instead of three stories that we were allowed to do, high character, uh, pattern it after the old uh, uh, craftsman's look uh, from the old cottages that were here uh, from the 20s and 30s and, and 40s, and have small shops on the downstairs and residences on the upstairs, and to do it in a green way. And, you know, we started out to try to do it in an environmentally sensitive way, and the more we did, the more serious we got about that and the more things that we added on to that and not using any pavers, not using any asphalt, using all green construction, building uh, best practices, um, native landscaping, uh, all the permeable areas in it. Uh, and the shops came in and the shop owners were great and the people gathered on porches and it really turned into something more than we kind of ever imagined it could be. Pine Avenue now, if you say Pine Avenue in this area, people know exactly what you're talking about. Hmm. But more importantly, it tells a story because you can do things in a lot of different ways. And we knew this area was going to get developed because it's, it's, it's just so sticky, right? When people mm -hmm. come here, there's just something about this area and more people want to come. And so what we wanted to do was kind of vote with our pocketbooks to do it in a way that we thought reflected the value and the character and the qualities that we love about this area. And that became the Pine Avenue, Pine Avenue Restoration uh, Project uh, that has been very successful where you can go and, you know, get something to wear and uh, buy some great uh, uh, olives and prosciuttos and charcuterie and wine and get a newspaper and meet with your neighbors or go to the donut donut shop or Papo's wow. Taqueria Sounds or good all to the me. little great places and boutiques that are on the street now. Fantastic. So uh, stuff like this you don't really hear enough of, in my opinion. A couple of maybe local stakeholders have have seen an opportunity or maybe seen something that needed doing. They've, they've clubbed together. They've essentially put their money where their mouth is and they've made something really, really wonderful. And it sounds like kind of much, much bigger and much, much more successful than you ever dreamed of. It, it feels like it's kind of reunited a whole community. Well, you know, we did two stories instead of three stories. And, you know, you, you think, well, we, and I thought originally, well, we're going to give up value, right. Without doing yeah, three, but, but, 
very early on, you know, it, it, it really hit me that, no, the way to do this and to really make it successful is to reflect the things that make this place so special. Brilliant. Look, we all travel, right? And 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 the places I think that we find the the most intriguing are the places that tell the story of their history and their 100%. values. You know, you can go to the resorts that come up out of, uh, of, you know, and they're all fabricated and they want to keep you in the resort the whole time and you don't get that flavor of the area. And that's what I think that we were able to do in, in Pine Avenue. And, and Anna Maria is, is just such a quaint place and such a special place. And I think when we do that, I hope that, that, that people take something away from that. And it's, it's like what they've done here with the uh, Love It Like a Local campaign. That They say, you know, this place is different. And I want to be respectful of this place. And I want to go back to, to my community. And I want to see what are the intrinsic resources that we have that make us special? And how do we tell those stories? And how do we reflect that in what we're doing and the kind of development that we're doing? 100%, Ed, absolutely. Uh, it feels like this is leading us beautifully into our next talking point. Uh, it seems like the Pine Avenue Restoration Project is getting people to love the area just like you love the area. And the next thing we're going to speak about is the Love It Like a Local campaign. Uh, folks, kind of to put a bit of context around it, this is a campaign which aims to educate tourists about preserving the area, about minimising the effects of transport, of course protecting local wildlife, um, and of course to to get people to to as you say it kind of appreciate a place for what it is what its culture is what its people and food are rather than you know i think it's fair to say florida is famous for certain things such as disney and all the rest of it but that doesn't really give people the true flavor of the destination and that sounds exactly what love it like a local is about right well i think that's right and you know it is about us understanding the fragility mm, of the area that we live in you know, the fact that we are in in such a unique environment with the only place that has three national estuaries. Yeah, sure. And, you know, the people that come here come from that. And frankly, that's the people that we want. The people that respect that, that want that, that appreciate that. You know, that's the traveler that we'd want. We're, we're not looking Definitely. for, and Miami's great. I love to go down there and Disney World's great. Mm-hmm. And they certainly all have their place. Of course. Uh, but the visitor that we're looking for is someone that appreciates those that natural environment that we have, that that great history. I mean, if you look at Cortez, the oldest continual fishing village in the state of Florida is right here. And people Fantastic. can go down there and they can sit on the docks and they can eat great seafood, local seafood that they serve out of a shrimp box. Uh, and they Amazing. can take a ride and they can go out and see manatees and the sea life and the bird life and the dolphins, and they can learn about this area. And that's what Lo- Le- Love It Like a Local wants to, 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 to promote. And that's what they want to tell that story and they want people to respect what we have and to, uh, and to treat it in a way that helps us keep it uh, so that when they come back and their kids come back and their grandkids come back, we're able to preserve the qualities that we grew up loving in this area. And I think that's that adds value. There's real value in doing that because there's a uniqueness. 
a fortunate kind of situation that we're living in nowadays is that the average tourist, the average traveller, is becoming a lot more kind of interested in a destination for what it is, for what it offers for the people that live there. You know, they want to learn more about things like local inhabitants, local wildlife. Uh, and one of the things that the Love It Like a Local campaign does is it actually offers classes, people who actively want to learn about what's going on in the destination that they're visiting. Perhaps uh, maybe you could list a couple of these kind of types of classes. What kind of things could tourists expect if they were to visit Florida and to, to join the Love It Like a Local campaign? Yeah, there's sure there's all kind of things that sure. you can do here. You know, you can go down to Cortez to the uh, Maritime Marine Museum uh, and you can learn so much about the history of our area. Brilliant. Uh, there are things for the kids to do there that uh, that they can take, you know, where they'll get a little test and they'll learn things and then they'll be able to get a little of accreditation. Uh, Moat Marine Laboratories right. is one of the great marine research institutions in the United States and actually in the world. Now out on the Anna Maria City Pier that I talked about a little while ago that is on the bayside of, uh, of, of Pine Avenue, uh, Moat now has a beautiful facility out there, uh, a, a place where you can learn a lot about the marine environment. Uh, the Amazing. kids can do interactive things where they there's computer screens and there's tanks where they can can touch marine life and they can look underneath the pier uh, and and learn about those kind of things. Our Anna Maria Community Center has classes for kids that come here. We've got a surf camp for kids that come here. So there's all kind of ways for people to uh, to interact uh, and, and you know to uh, learn about. Uh, how to be more involved in sustainability issues. Fantastic. There you go, folks. Go to loveitlikealocal.com to learn more about that campaign. Plenty going on in terms of really engaging you as a traveller, as a tourist, to, to help you get engaged and interact with local people, local wildlife, local opportunities to, to learn more. Fantastic. Thank you, Ed. Let's talk a little bit about the future. In 2023, you'll be partnering with conservation company Leave No Trace. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what the the activities that Leave No Trace runs and what are your kind of your own plans for this partnership? Well, what we want to do is to, you know, promote the things that we're deeply involved in and that speak to, uh, you know, our, our local environment. And that's what Leave No Trace is all about. You know, what we do in our restaurant is is we want to educate people and i've this sure. is a journey that i've been on that you know it starts with a step right like any journey and when you one step leads to another step and another and the and you get more involved and you see the importance of being more involved and that's what leave no trace is all about you know i learned that one out of every 10 jobs in the uh, internationally is in hospitality mm -hmm. and that one out of every 11 jobs internationally is is related to seafood so it is incumbent wow. upon me as someone who is in that industry and anybody that is in that industry, we need to all be working in wherever we are at things that can help turn the clock back from some of the things that we're seeing on uh, temperature rises and, and global warming and climate change and just environmental issues. And so we, we want to do that. That's what Leave uh, No Trace is about. We want to do that through our menus, right? We want to do that through educating people about our sustainable seafood choices. We want to do that about educating people about what we do that's, that's, that's intentional 
So in our restaurants where, you know, we're fairly high volume in the three operations we have, we'll do 2,500, 3,000 meals on a busy day. And every scrap that comes off of every plate in our restaurant, including the oyster shells, including the mussel shells and the clam shells, gets taken and put it in big tote bins and carried out to our farm where that gets with all the paper products, all of the food scraps, and we're building soil out there. That farm is 26 miles inland in one of the fastest growing zip codes in the country. And so where they are clearing land and and creating a lot of wood uh, chips and refuge, they bring that to us because it's closer to the landfill. That gets mixed with all of that food scraps and all of those things to build soil, to make compost, to make high quality compost that our farmer, and we've got one of our farmers uh, that heads all of our uh, farming operations uh, in, in the field, Zach Rasmussen here with us today. And Zach is out there doing that. And not only is he doing that, he's adding biochar and he's adding vermiculture, which is the worm compost. And he's adding the KNF, the microbial things, to be a model and then bringing people out and bringing school kids out and educating them. We're taking all of those shells and we're doing uh, shoreline protection. They get dried and then they get bagged up and they put out in the water to be substrate because that's where bivalve larva wants to land. So those are the things that we're doing around Leave No Trace and at our farm to promote local food systems, to talk about the importance of soil in nutrition and health and environment. Absolutely. Uh, Folks, as Ed says, Zach Rasmussen has also joined us today. Zach is the farm manager working with Ed on these projects, so helping to reduce waste from the Sandbar Beach House and Mar Vista restaurants and many other projects across Florida. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your engagement with the Leave No Trace project. Sai, thanks for having me on. Ed, sure. thanks so much. Um, yeah, we're we're a 27-acre ecological organic farm, Gamble Creek. Um, you know, the, the whole idea is, you know, being we're a restaurant group, Child's Hospitality, we've got waste streams coming from the restaurant, not just the compost operation. But sure. uh, so the goal at, at Gamble Creek Farm is to, you know, find these unique waste streams and figure out ways to put them back into production to, you know, increase productivity at the farm, um, increase plant nutrition, um, and to just lower overall overall waste. Another focus is 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 bioavailable nutrition. Um, we really want the food that's served at our coastline restaurants to have the highest available nutrition possible. So all of these different um, amendments, you know, the compost operation, as Ed mentioned, the the biochar, the worm castings, all of these. Um, items play certain particular um, nutrient profiles into this put nutrient profiles into the soil um, that that really accelerate the the, the health of the soil the, the quality and the health of the food and um, really brings um, the nutrients to higher uh, available nutrition for our customers fantastic so that was the leave no trace campaign we've been speaking about that was zach rasmussen if you want to learn a little bit more about leave no trace you can go to lnt org thank you so much Zach. thank you I, I personally find sustainability fascinating and crucial conversation to have especially in the world of travel but also let's take it in a more kind of pure travel direction to, to kind of draw to a close 
um, because of course you work in sustainability, but also you are an inhabitant of Florida who has favorite things to do, who has favorite places to hang out, who has favorite restaurants. And I think we've spoken a tiny bit about that already. Cortez perhaps might come up again. Um, but perhaps you could share Ed, a couple of your favorite things to do in Florida and a, a couple of your favorite places to eat. Um, and you're very welcome to say your own restaurants, of course, but any other suggestions as well is, would be wonderful. Well, we've got a tremendous amount of uh, high quality restaurants in our sure. area. Uh, you know, my good friend, John Horn has the Anna Maria oyster bars mm -hmm. uh, and he does a great job uh, in this area. Uh, we've got a, a, a little places down in uh, Braden Beach, which is near our beach house restaurant. Uh, one of them is uh, the Blue Marlin. That's an excellent restaurant that I uh, uh, that I enjoy going to when I can get out. Steve Phelps down in Sarasota and Indigenous just does a tremendous job, and he's really really involved in sustainability and um, and aquaculture and promoting uh, aquaculture uh, raised seafood. Uh, I love um, Pharrell Alvarez's restaurant over in Tampa, Rooster in the Till. Mm -hmm. uh, Pharrell's got another a couple of other places. And there's a great place uh, uh, that just got a Michelin star over in Tampa called Rocca that I enjoy a lot. Uh, in terms of when I'm on my time off, you know, I enjoy going to the beach. I don't take as much sun as I used to, but I, I love to fish. Fantastic. Uh, I like to fly fish a lot. We've got a tremendous... Uh, fishing uh, uh opportunities here we've got a great tarpon fishing great snook fishing uh redfish grouper uh permit uh and i enjoy hunting i grew up um, hunting and fishing with my dad we have a farm up in tallahassee an orga oh, organic pretty. blueberry farm and we've got a lot of turkey wild turkey there and um, and deer there and i don't do too much big game hunting but i do love to bird hunt so Fantastic. You, you mentioned Rocco there, Ed. Can you tell us a little bit about what what kind of food you can get there? Yeah, Rocco is uh, is Italian, and uh, they're making all their pasta, and they're uh, they're just doing some really really great things uh, across the board with their seafood and what they do with their salads and and different looks there. Uh, you know, I don't get up get to get over there often enough. Uh, we've also got another uh, some great restaurants that are opening up. Actually, a a couple, um, uh, Mark and uh, uh, Natalie Levy, that are have uh, some new restaurants down in Sarasota. They got a place called Clam Speak that's been there for a while, but they've got uh, Kojo, which is a new Japanese restaurant, mm -hmm. and they're just starting a, a new deli down there that's going to be kind of Russian based, uh, uh, and uh, and oh, we're really excited about that. Uh, Natalie's got a, a Russian is from Russia and uh, they're, they're going to, they're doing some really neat things in the restaurant business down there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ed. That sounds absolutely fascinating. And uh, my mouth is watering folks. I don't know about you. Uh, Ed, one, one final question. Um, you've got an afternoon off from your hectic schedule. It's been a busy day or, or a bit, you know, it's been a busy day and you're getting to a nice, uh, it's a beautiful Floridian evening. Where would you go to, to maybe have a beer if you drink beer? Go and sit on the beach. Where would be your favorite place to go and unwind after a busy day? <laughs> well, I do that often, and it's <laughs> on the porch it. in my office that sits uh, right on the edge of the Gulf at the same oh, really bar, well. So, yeah. Fantastic. So this is right on uh right on looking overlooking one of the one of the bays where your projects are working is that right no uh, two of them are on the gulf so my corporate headquarters is on the sandbar and 
I'm I'm spitting districts from the Gulf of Mexico, so it's a great Fantastic. greatest place in the country to watch the sunset, or one of them anyway. I'm sure it is. Uh, maybe maybe you're biased, but I, I believe you in this particular case. Fantastic! Thank you so much. For Come that. find out for yourself, Simon. We'd love to host you here. That is that is a brilliant way to to conclude a podcast. That sounds great. Hopefully, I will see you for uh, for some local seafood very soon. Thank you so much, Ed. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. It's been a privilege to be with you today, Simon. Thank you very much. Thank you, folks. You've been listening to Ed Childs, the owner of Childs Hospitality, the managing partner for the Pine Avenue Restoration Project, proponent of numerous local sustainability initiatives, including all clams on deck. Folks, you've been listening to The Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Imagine a destination with 825 miles of idyllic beaches, more than 1,300 walking trails, and over 700 freshwater springs. This is Florida, where you can meet the manatees at Three Sisters Springs, zipline over a canyon in Ocala, and paddleboard through the waterways in the nation's oldest city, St. Augustine. Our extensive accessibility options mean everyone can enjoy our attractions and activities. Florida is truly limitless. Look beyond the theme parks and get out into the Sunshine State's great outdoors. To plan your next adventure, go to visitflorida.com. Florida, 